Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. everyone welcome to talk nerdy to me radio it is our book and television edition it is tuesday november 16th 2021 i am megan and i'm here with the ever lovely Kristen. what's up Kristen? what up i'm so excited (laughs) yes me too that we have a show we did it we have a show we're so sorry guys so sorry Life is life, um, so, but life has been kind this week, so this is why we're here. Yes. Uh, but it's going to be a really good show. We have some book conversations to be had. We're going to be talking about some awesome TV shows that we're into, um, and of course, we will be talking about the fourth book of the Harry Potter series, Goblet of Fire. So, good show planned. We have so much to talk about. Um, let's start off with some entertainment news. Um, yes. Kristen, did you hear that Britney is free? Uh, I did, and I got to say I'm super excited because the other day she tweeted right after it happened, and instead of and hashtag free Britney, it said hashtag freed Britney, and I was like, yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in case you've been living underneath a rock um, and you don't know, um, Britney Spears has basically been under um, – control um it can serve a tour ship um her dad was in charge of it um and there was a documentary called freed britney that created a lot of public stir and um kind of rallied people um behind britney spears for to get this situation um basically to disappear and it, it seems like the public has won that she's I now free she's now, you- some new music Hopefully, that would be cool, because she definitely is a powerhouse singer. Now, do you think that it is that documentary that is the reason for why she has been freed? I think, honestly, I think it gave her the courage to ask for help, because she didn't have her own lawyer. She hadn't spoken out about her dislike of it everyone was like no she wants to be in it she knows she needs it i think like other people being like girl we see you this is wrong this is abnormal (laughs) that you're in this conservatorship this is for old people that she was like oh well i don't like it i'm not okay with it and i want my own lawyer i don't want a lawyer picked by someone who's literally monetarily gaining from this so yeah i think I think it's uh, it was a smart move. I think it may give. I don't. I think it definitely spawned like public notice. So like those judges and stuff mm-hmm. had a lot of uh, angry people staring at them. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like, don't think it necessarily swayed what? the judge. But I definitely gave her more courage to be like, you know what, you're right. I totally agree, and I'm totally stoked that she now can be who she is and. It's just, right. it's crazy how long this is, has gone on, um, especially yes. since her mental health issues have passed. Subsided. You know, like, has it's, it's been a long time ago. 
Like, if we all had this happen because we had a mental breakdown, we would all have moments of our life. Um, all right. Right. <laughs> and then I have some great news, but also news that's going to make you feel very old at the same time. Oh, my God. Are you, are you ready for this? Um, I am. <laughs> HBO Max, <laughs> HBO Max on January 1st. Um, is bringing back the cast of the Harry Potter movies. So Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, um, and many of the other cast members um, to come back for a Harry Potter 20th anniversary Return to Hogwarts special. Um, it is ridiculous to think that it's been 20 years since the first Harry Potter movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but I will be watching. Uh, yeah. So can't wait for that. Anything Harry Potter I'm in for. For sure. And it will just be cool to see the, where everyone's at and what they, you know, with all the years past, what they still think about, um, the situation and, and what they, you know, kind of how their life is. So it's going to, it's going to be interesting. I don't know when HBO Max turned into the reunion streaming site, but we're really doing lots of reunions. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. All right. Um, and then looks like you have you also put something down for your news that has to do with the book world. It does have to do with the book world. It's kind of interesting. So the Justice Department has sued to stop a merger um, between Simon & Schuster and Penguin Books from merging together into one giant conglomerate of a book publishing company. Um, And Mm. I got to say, I agree with their reasoning. So if Simon & Schuster and Penguin, which are two of the, I mean, literally like 60% of the books that are released come from these two publishers. Um, Yeah. And... If they come together, they will dominate two-thirds of the publishing world when it okay, comes to – there's only three major, major publishers now um, because some of them have already combined. Like Penguin owns Dutton, uh, which was another big one, and I think Random House yeah. is the other one. Um, so – no, actually Penguin Random House? I can't remember. There's so many that have merged over the years. I think Pe- – but there's also way, they, Scholastic, right? Who owns yeah, Scholastic? But they're not as big. The three big, they're like dominant in like the children's world, but the three major, major like New York City publishers are Simon & Schuster, Penguin, and it's amazing I want to say Random House, how... but they might be owned by. I don't know why I thought of Scholastic. Apparently where my reading publisher knowledge stops was sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All I know is, but laughing. so I I agree. So their their fight Harper Collins is another one. That's a big one. So their um their how do I want to say this? So like basically they're saying that if these two publishers convert, converge, that it takes away the rights of the authors. Um, it mm. makes their their opportunity for a competitive market, very slim. Um, And basically we'll take money out of their pockets because Simon and Schuster slash Penguin will be able to offer whatever they want to offer. Um, And you take what you get because there's not many more. There's a top five. There's Penguin Random House. So Penguin does own Random House. They also own Dutton. And then Hatchet Books, HarperCollins, Simon and Schuster, and Macmillan are the top five publishers. So Penguin Random House and um, Simon Schuster are two of the largest, and I think HarperCollins is the third largest. Um, and they two-thirds of the market would be taken up by that merger. So I, I don't disagree. That should not happen. Yeah, no, I think so, too. Like, I think, I think more choice um, mm-hmm. allows for more diversity of voice, too. So yeah. I just think... Oh, yeah. I think hundred percent agree. And yeah. don't you forget about Scholastic, boys and girls. <laughs> don't you forget <laughs> about them. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. So, what TV shows are you watching that you want to recommend or warn? Um. I'm 
I'm, I'm watching Survivor. It's back. It was. It took a year off because of COVID. They didn't do a Survivor. So super stoked that it's back. Um, this season's weird, though. I don't have any favorites, which is odd, but it is back. I'm very excited about that. And I've been watching the new show La Brea, which is about the La Brea Tar Pit in L.A., and they turn into a giant sinkhole, which is taking them back to 10,000 B.C. And nice. It's kind of sci-fi, but it's um it's super interesting, and I'm curious if we're gonna they're gonna pull a lost on me, and I'll be very upset. I hope not. <laughs> me too, I hate that show when TV shows. I got all the way to the end, and I was like, seriously. The I hate when TV shows end. It is the most heartbreaking. It's basically like yeah. getting divorced after being married for ten years, <laughs> especially when it ends like crap, like, like Lost did. <laughs> You're like, this is, I've wasted my time on you. I know, um, and you end like that? It was terrible. It just does. So, um, so I got yeah. a couple. One is not really, like, it, it, I haven't really watched it, but I know it's going to be good and comforting, so I just want to remind people <laughs> of this option during the holidays, and that is The Great British Baking Show on Netflix. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, the ninth and they have a new holiday collection one. Nine. Yes, Collection 9 is out, and um, it is always a good hug. It looks like they have the classics, Cake Biscuit, Bread, Dessert Weeks. Um, They have German Week um, and a bunch of other things. And, you know, you got Paul Hollywood's Blue Eyes. You have pastries. You have contestants that are competing against each other yet they want to hug each other and like skip in the like meadows together which is not how american competition competitions work um so that is always a good holiday fall winter slash kind of show so definitely recommend that um and then the other thing so last show which was like i don't know 10 years ago um i recommended the show Titans on HBO Max. And I've been kind of on, not kind of, I've been extremely on a nerdy rampage when it comes to, like, superhero story. Um, (laughs) Kristen's like, I'm friends with her on Facebook. She does not shut up. Um, And I'm here every time you're like, shows, shows, yes. We need to do this. Uh, so I have a new one for you. Um, it is also on HBO Max because that is the home for all things DC. Um, and that is Young Justice. And Young Justice is um, an animated series. Um, but it's very, like, it's, when you say animated series, usually you get, like, oh, it's for kids or it's childish. It really isn't. It's really, really adult. And I think that adults, might actually enjoy it more than kids (laughs) in terms of the themes of the show. Um, And it Mm -hmm. just, it just covers the young heroes um, of the justice league, um, but the counterparts um, and it just, the storylines are so good. I was shocked a few times. It grapples with a lot of really um, serious themes as well. And so it's just, it's just a good show. So, Young Justice, HBO Max, um, they're short episodes, but the story arc for the season is just really good. So definitely recommend that. All right. So That's now we're awesome. going to switch gears. You should. Um, and then we're going to get to books. So what's going on in the fiction New York bestsellers? All right, so bestsellers, this list actually changed because I updated this last week and then we had to post on the show and everyone was different, every single one on both of these lists. So this week, number one, well, we'll say number five. Number five is The Lincoln Highway by Amor Towles. Uh, Two friends who escaped from a juvenile work farm take Emmett Watson on an unexpected journey to New York City in 1954. Sounds interesting. Um, Number four is Better Off Bet, that's supposed to be better off. Better off dead by Lee Child and Andrew Child, uh, or Aunt Lee Child and Andrew Child. I can't talk today, man. Whew. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's the it's been a minute. Twenty sixth, twenty sixth 
that's a lot of books, book in the Jack Reacher series. Um, he helps an FBI agent look for her missing brother and takes on a faux name, Dendonker. Dendonker, that's a weird name. Um, and then we got number three, The Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Alborn. This sounds super interesting. Because after a ship explodes, nine people struggling to survive pull a man who claims to be the Lord out of the sea. Like the Lord, like Jesus. What? The Lord. What? Yeah, right? Crazy. Um, and then number Someone two hit their is head. the judge. Right. I was like, what? Who came up with this book? I need to read it now because now I got to know if he really is. <laughs> Uh, the second one is The Judges List by John Grisham. Again, I don't know how this man pops these books out, but I swear to God he has a new book every week. Um, it's the second book in the Whistler series. Investigator Lacey Stoltz goes after a serial killer and closes in on a sitting judge. Um, and then number one is Game On by Janet Ivanovich. It's the 28th book in the Stephanie Plum series. Diesel and Stephanie track the international computer hacker Oswald Wednesday. I do have to say that if you can get number one on a New York bestsellers list on your 28th book, it's probably a pretty good series. (laughs) I know. I'm like, maybe let's check it out. (laughs) Yes. You can't fault that. Sounds good to me. All right. um, In the nonfiction world... Um, it's an interesting, eclectic group of, of books in the top five. Um, number five is Going There by Katie Couric. It's been on the list for two weeks. Uh, the former mm-hmm. anchor of CBS Evening News and Today describes some of her the personal and professional challenges she faced. So I was I was reading kind of information about this book because I'm, I'm so curious because Katie Couric has always been very, like, cheery she's just always had that like that persona but she has in terms of like being a media person she has gone through quite a bit I mean Matt Lauer was her on her uh, TV partner for a very long time obviously got taken down because of his poor behavior Um, so what does she think about that she was made a head anchor um, for the CBS Evening News being the first female to do so, and it didn't go well for her at all. Um, so I, I think she has some interesting stories to tell. So if you're interested yeah. to figure that, to, to hear her, she is def- that's definitely a book for you. Number four, uh, The Storyteller by Dave Grohl, um, a memoir by a musician known for his work with the Foo Fighters and Nirvana. Dave Grohl is a amazing musician um so if you're interested in either the Foo fighters and Foo fighters or nirvana nirvana that's a great book for you um number three oh, sorry um the president <laughs> and the freedom fighter by brian Kilmead. um he's the fox news host and he's giving his account of the relationship between abraham lincoln and frank frederick Douglass. so check that out as we use the list um, number two, it's definitely going to have a certain spin. Just going to give you a heads up there, especially when it's the president and the freedom fighter. And this is not Frederick Lord. Douglass, um, as in the black activist freed slave Frederick Douglass. This is a different, this is a white <laughs> Frederick Douglass. A white friend. <laughs> just, just just want, just wanted to let you know, because <laughs> I, well, I teach eighth grade, and they get so confused by that. Um, so just wanted to clarify that. Um, number two um, is Immune by Philip Detmer, also new to The Countdown, the founder of YouTube channel. Um, gives an overview of elements of the body's immune system. So this is a you YouTuber. Um, the name of the, cha- the channel? Kurzgesetz. <laughs> I cannot. It is too Eastern <laughs> European for me. Um, right. And then number one surprises me. And I wonder how many people are actually going to read this or if it's just on a lot of hipsters' coffee tables. Um, and that is, so number one is the lyrics 1956 to the present by Paul McCartney 
It is a two-volume celebration of 154 songs with handwritten texts, paintings, and photographs from the songwriters' archives. 10 out of 10, um, hip, hipsters bought this. It's on their coffee table. They will never open it. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm calling Unpopular it. opinion. <laughs> Not a big fan. Not a big fan. Of Paul McCartney? Or Nothing. He's not talented. Just not either. I was a monkey fan. I mean, I love Ed Sheeran. Maybe I would do this for Ed Sheeran now that I think about it. <laughs> but <laughs> I just... 154 songs, handwritten text, paintings, photographs. That's intense. Okay? That sounds like a lot. It does. Yeah. For a person from a long time ago. But anyway, hipsters, I hope you enjoy that. It's on your coffee table. Right. Uh, so that is your top five of the nonfiction world. Um, so let's get some book recommendations. So Kristen, what are you reading? What do you think we should be reading? So I just finished this book this morning and it was so good. I read it in two days. It's called Seven Dirty Secrets. And I'm telling you, that's two days and I've had a chaotic week and it's only... Tuesday, y'all. So I finished in two days, Seven Dirty Secrets by Natalie D. Richards. I've read a couple books by her, and they're usually really good. Um, I think most of them have four or five stars that I've reviewed. I've probably reviewed three, four books of hers. Um, And this one just came out. It's fantastic. It's about seven friends who went on a rafting trip, and only six of them came back. One of them died. Um, Not a spoiler. It's not part of the book. It's like the pre-story. And uh, I'm like, that's pretty intense. Like, so there's bold of you. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's six of them left, and suddenly they start getting clues, kind of like in a scavenger hunt. Uh, and it seems someone saw the person die and doesn't think they died in such a, the innocent way that was told to the police. Um, and so it's super intriguing, very suspenseful, and I totally guess the ending about halfway through, but only because I'm a genius. So let's see if you can guess it as fast. <laughs> and humble, too. Um, that yeah, does sound definitely. interesting. That does sound interesting. Um, I have some recommendations as well. Um, they're graphic novels, because, again, I'm being super nerdy lately. Um, and they're yeah. all by the same people. So um, all three of these graphic novels are written by Cami Garcia and ha- are illustrated beautifully by Gabriel Piccola. Um, and the three books are Raven, Beast Boy, and then Beast Boy Loves Raven. The artwork is just fantastic. The story um, is just fun to read. Um, they're two of my favorite characters in the DC universe. Um, so definitely... Check it out if you're into graphic novels or thinking about getting into them. Um, so go ahead. It's all on Amazon. You can check it out. Um, but they're beautiful graphic novels. I like it. So what are you right. reading, Kurt? Currently, I'm reading Uglies by Scott Westerfeld um, because my book club's reading it, which I'll talk about in just one second. Um, and I'm, I just, because I just finished a book this morning, I just, just started The Ballerinas by Rachel Capelk-Dale, and it comes out in December, or December, yes, December, um, and so I will let you know how I like it, because I literally am, like, two pages in. Sounds good, and I haven't, um, started anything new, really, um, I'm still reading the same book that I talked about last time so when I get a new one going I will make sure to update you guys I've been slow right, in the fair. book reading department thank you I'm glad that all you're right. not going to punish right. me or shun me yeah. read faster <laughs> you said that so pleasantly I might listen um, <laughs> um, and what about the book club so book club um, just one more chapter is on bookclubs.com with a Z and we are currently reading Uglies by Scott Westerfeld and I did not pick this book I am not a big sci-fi person but I was pleasantly surprised apparently it's being made into a tv show 
um, I don't think a movie. I think they said TV show. And it's very, like, divergent Hunger Games vibe. It's a post-apocalyptic world. And um, you've got uh, a government that is quite controlling. And you've got – it's based on the idea it's called Uglies because it's that we tore the world apart, judging each other, tearing each other down. And so now when you turn 16, you have an operation and you become pretty. Um, and you live your best life. Like you get to party and do all the fun things. And it's, before that, you're considered ugly. You go to school and learn about all the terrible things the Rusties did. We are the Rusties, by the way. Um, and uh, they live 100% sustainable, um, like renewable. And there's, of course, a group that just doesn't think that's the way it should be. And so it was the first book was fantastic. I'm pretty much done with it. I'm almost at the end. Um, and I just found out there's three more in the series, so win for me. That's so cool. come join us. Nice. We're still reading. We have an awesome Christmas bas- uh, book box giveaway this month. So come join us. Do it. Yeah. Plus, you know, book clubs in, in fall slash winter, it just seems to go together. It's like it the British baking show. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Yes. Now we get to talk about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yes. Would you put your name in the goblet? No. No. Seems like a terrible That would be my answer. (laughs) Survival? They're like, hey, do this. No. People have died before. I'm like, yeah, hard pass. I'll watch, though. (laughs) And that's what I would do as well. All right, so the Harry Potter of the Goblet of Fire is the fourth book in the series. It is the fourth um, year that Harry, po- Harry Potter and his friends are at Hogwarts. Um, just a reminder of the how we're going to be doing these conversations. Um, there's going to be spoilers left and right. So if you have not read the Harry Potter series, I question thee. Go home. First of all. Right. Um, and, second of, <laughs> and second of all, you will be spoiled um, if you haven't already been spoiled. So just giving you a heads up there. Second thing is me and Kristen are really trying to kind of dive into the books themselves. So we're not doing like overarching or talking about every single one. We're really just going to be focusing on the book itself. Okay. So um, that's how the conversation is going to go for this. So Kristen, um, when you're thinking about Goblet of Fire and just the story and where it fits um, into things, what do you see as kind of like the themes of this particular book? Um, I would say like personal personal battles. I think that's a lot in this. Like the challenges themselves, I think, make the people have to challenge themselves more than they would, especially Harry, of course, because he unwillingly yeah. was thrust into this. So I would say like personal, um, personal growth, personal challenges, uh, definitely loss, um, that mm-hmm. sadness, and um, I think there's a lot of like friendship issues in this one. Um, just different things yeah. that can cause friendships to go askew, even though you're not like you didn't really aim for it to happen. So yeah, I guess that would be my what I say. I would agree. I, I think Lost definitely because it, it was the first um, death in the story uh, with Cedric Diggory. Um, so it, it kind of was like the Poor turning ending. point in the story. Yeah. <laughs> Man, why did you have to bring that into it? <laughs> um, so my fault he turned into a sparkly vampire. Um, we don't talk about that. We, this is Cedric Diggory. Um, so that's definitely a part of it. Um, it's like the catalyst of the shift in tone in the story. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, obviously, I think hormones is <laughs> a big part of the fourth book um, from the, the friendship fights, um, because this is middle school age-ish, you know, middle school, um, eighth grade, ninth grade kind of age. And that's when you do see fights within friends groups. Um that can be intense. Um, so like the fight between Ron and Harry that happens. 
Um, it right. also is the time where you start to have crushes on people and have the dating game on your brain, um, which you get to see that in the story because of exotic French women being at the school um, mm-hmm. and exotic men at the school from the visiting schools and also because of the Yule Ball. So hormones definitely play a big role in the story. Um, and I also think misconceptions. There's a lot of, um, and I think J.K. Rowling does this quite a bit in most of her books, but the idea of mm-hmm. people not appearing as they seem. Um, so obviously Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, yeah. Uh, not actually being Mad-Eye Moody. Um, and then um, just kind of the idea of, thinking that people are one way, but they actually end up being something different, um, I think is is a big uh, part in the story. Um, and then the trials, like the, the, the actual challenges they go through, um, whether it's puberty or whether it's these challenges they have to kind of take on with the Toy Wizard Tournament, um, and then everything that comes next. So that's kind of how I see this book. It's just like... Harry Potter is now officially in puberty. Like, the third yeah, book is, like, the definitely. start of it, but this is, like, full-fledged um, puberty for, for yeah. all the characters, which is why they're more irate um, and mm-hmm. more impatient and kind of a little annoying sometimes. You, you see a little bit of Capsock Harry beginning in this, in this book um, and a little bit of... Um, Ron's jealousy and insecurities um, also flare up in this book as well. So, oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, now, the book begins in a very interesting scene with Voldemort, and we get introduced um, to Nagini, which is the snake. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. would you have a pet like Nagini or no? No. Sure, I want a giant snake that eats people. Cool. Sounds good. (laughs) Um, You talk to me while I'm reading. Eat them. (laughs) They could be useful. It could be. Um, And then, of course, Peter... And of course, Peter Pettigrew has found his, have found Voldemort, and in that scene, um, kind of begins there. And I think having that scene at the beginning kind of lets you know how dark this book is is going to get like when i read that as the first oh, chapter definitely. i was like, like man this is different usually because usually it starts off with you know the dursleys and like all the bs that comes with that it's the first so one that takes that. uh like a dive into that darkness that ends up being the last half of the series yeah for sure um but it wasn't all dark we finally um, got the look of professional Quidditch with the Quidditch World Cup. What did you think about those scenes and kind of um, and, and that aspect of, of the story? Um, honestly, I recently reread these. I listened to audiobooks, so it's, it's still the book. It's just voice, somebody's talking instead of me reading it um, with my eyeballs. And I got to say that Rereading it recently, it was interesting because I thought, like, I had this image in my head because, you know, once you've seen the movies, it's different. But reading it, mm-hmm. it was, like, not as exciting of a part to me. Like, I read it and I was like, oh, that's kind of boring. Like, it wasn't as cool. And maybe it's because I had a visual and that ruins the book a little bit because you have this visual in your head now. But it just, like, didn't seem that exciting to me. And I'm still really confused how old Victor Crumb is. Can someone tell me how old that boy is? I think he's the like a seventh year. I think he's. I think yeah, but he's, how are you playing professional Quidditch? But you you going to school still? How's that work? See, but this it. is the thing though. This is the thing. So, if you are that talented, they do make exceptions for you. I guess. So I just it, think those dirt staring guys look like they're twenty. Which is me. <laughs> well, in the movies for sure, they are definitely all twenty in the movies. Even sure. the way they're described in the books, though, is very like <laughs> older. 
like whatever. I think it well if I think the description of them definitely paints the picture of the Durmstrang boys as being incredibly stereotypically manly. Yes. Right. But it also could be from the perspective of like you know, a, a skinny, puny British person. <laughs> so like um so there's also that. But I enjoyed yeah. like the idea that there is a Quidditch World Cup in that kind of world excites me. So I was I was completely stoked by that. Oh yeah. Um, that was, that was so, cool. Um and then of course with the Quidditch World Cup it the, the joy does not stay because there is a attack um introducing me a whole idea that death eaters are a thing. So death eaters being Voldemort supporter, supporters that can be called um, on the bark of their arms. Um, what did you think of just kind of like the idea of the Death Eaters um, and the Dark Mark and just kind of seeing that, like having this scene kind of play out? Um, what did you think about that? I thought it was interesting because it was the first glimpse, like we've encountered the idea of Death Eaters, like, in previous books, we had understood that Mr. Malfoy was a Death Eater, and there was a few others that were suspected. But this was the first glimpse of them in Death Eater mode, aside from, you know, just thoughts that they were Death Eaters and talking about their past. So I thought it was interesting to see them, like, they suddenly they grew up hair, <laughs> like, they weren't just hiding in the, you know, lying about their past to get out of trouble. Like, here they were, like, marching through a camp of people and with the dark marks flying around and such. So it's just like, it was it was kind of like, oh, okay, like, shit's getting real. <laughs> no, it's true. And that's why I like this book. It's just like, I think there's just layers of darkness in this book. Um, yep. And, like... It is so interesting reading these books um, or kind of revisiting and rethinking about them as an adult in 2021. And when you were saying that, like, that these Death Eaters, like, they they were in the shadows for so long, and then all of a sudden they, they felt this, like, bravery to kind of show up at this World Cup and um, right. cause havoc. It, I, right. I, the first thing that comes to my mind is Charlottesville. <laughs> with the the KKK and white supremacy. Uh, and that's that super outnumbered, recently. so it shows so, yeah. the level of confidence they have in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it so just kind of just goes to show that that those fringe groups of hatred, if we don't pay attention, um, they, they do start to be emboldened. And so the question is, in this, this story, is what's emboldening them? Well, Voldemort is on his way of coming back, right? So they have a leader, or what could be the leader in the in the works that has a plan. So, right, the fact that they did this is going to make the Wizarding World feel all the more nervous. Yep. Another dark element um, that um, I wanted to talk about was that they that so far magic has always been something that's kind of happy like they're like it's either useful or amusing but we learned about the unforgivable curses um the killing curse and Perius, all those the ones that that are basically high crimes in the wizarding world um and those are introduced as a type of dark magic um so i i i found that super super interesting yeah, the unforgivable curses being taught was actually one of my favorite parts of this book. Um, one, because I found it extremely odd behavior for Mad Eye to be teaching this. Like, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around at what point Mad Eye was bad. Because I know he was bad, like, before he came type of thing. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it's very confusing because, like, that seems like a very mad-eye lesson. Like, that's something he would absolutely do. 
Um, and I find it hard that it, it, I struggle to believe that this person imitating that I would be able to know him that well to know, okay, this is a completely normal lesson for him. Like a lot of his behavior, I'm like, oh, like I love Mad Eye, but and then the whole time you find out it's not him. Mm-hmm. The whole time, and I'm like, oh well, I don't know. It's really hard to wrap my head around, but I really like him teaching <laughs> the unforgivable. It's like, wow, okay, I don't really love Mad Eye. Actually, like Barty Crouch. I don't love him. <laughs> version of Mad Eye, right? I'm like, so, and what then like you? to me. To me, going forward, you didn't get that much of Mad Eye anymore after this. Like he was in him, but he wasn't like this main character like he is in this book. And so, I don't know. Like I feel like we never really get to really, really know Mad Eye. No, true. I mean, he—he's. I mean, I definitely think Barty Crouch Jr. Um, was trying to imitate. Mad-Eye Moody, and I think he did a pretty good job because once we get to know Mad-Eye Moody, he's a pretty um, bold and impatient person, <laughs> just like he was being, you know, mm-hmm. when when Barty Cards Jr. was, was playing him. So I, I, I don't think it's wrong to say that you that you love Mad-Eye Moody, um, but it is definitely interesting. Another thing I want to point out, Hufflepuffs, I see you. I see you. I'm going to call you out on this, okay? People tend to think Hufflepuffs are these sweet, unassuming, docile, cuddly people. But they are not. (laughs) In the fourth book, when Harry Potter um, gets his name put into the goblet and he's chosen as one of the two champions, one of them Cedric Diggory being Hufflepuff and the other one him, they, like, full-on bullied him. Like, like full-on, oh, yeah. like, made fun of him and, like, treated him like crap. So I want to – so even though they might be the loyal and just group of people – they also are the blind loyalty, like, to the point of, like, being a bit clicky. Because um, that's, like, oh, yeah. the abuse that was given towards Harry was not usually what you think of when you think, when people think right. about Hufflepuffs or when Hufflepuffs talk about themselves. But I thought it was very interesting just how right. mean they were. I agree. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of harsh and, like, dang. They, they were definitely sticking. They were definitely being loyal to their own, um, for sure. Um, so we've already talked about the um, killing curses. So what is something from the books that you wanted to make sure that we talked about that that was kind of like something that made um, you pause or something that you kind of noticed in this book? Um, let's talk about. This is not something I love, but I feel like it needs to be addressed. Like. The Cho Chang thing, mm-hmm. I was seriously not a fan of that entire storyline. One, I felt like it was like this forced thing. Um, like, oh, we need to have Harry, like, everyone else has emotions, so he has to have emotions, too, towards the opposite sex, you know, or have a, a crush or whatever you want to call it. But dynamic was awkward from the second they started talking and Cho Chang bothered me in her anger um, just like the type of person like she seemed very clingy and very needy and I just I did not understand the obsession with Cho Chang like sure she's pretty but literally like that's all she's got going for her in my opinion <laughs> She was very. Isn't that kind of like middle school, like early high school, like? It is, but like I didn't read about it. Like, it's very awkward. But it's like, I feel like they're awkward, and they're just kind of learning how to do the boyfriend girlfriend thing. Like everyone else had it kind of figured out. And I don't know. I thought Cho like (laughs) she would get very like irritated about Hermione and I'm like bro Hermione was here before you and she's gonna be here after you so just stop it 
Like, you can't be mad at him for being with his friend when you're, like, he's been he's here a long time. I think he's 14-year-old girls. I think you just don't like preteens <laughs> slash early teenage girls. I don't like preteens. That is a so fact. That, that's, so, because, like, as a middle school teacher, this is how it is. Like, a lot of my students get into fights because of someone looking at someone. Like, or the beginnings of dating being awkward or liking someone who you know is like dating someone you know is like completely wrong for you because of like one superficial thing like that's just part of growing up I think is just not knowing what you're doing and just being incredibly awkward is Cho Chang my favorite person no there's a reason he didn't end up with her what would you do if I was like, yeah, Cho Chang's my favorite? I was um, like, you have terrible taste. But, <laughs> um, but she's a teenage girl, and he's a teenage boy, and they're clueless, and they're stupid, and they have hormones, and it is always going to be awkward at first, because it always is. Were you like a fr- difficulties all right but we're back um so basically and then you were gone <laughs> Cho Chang is a teenage girl and Harry Potter is a teenage boy yeah. which is why and they annoy me um, all the right. story. <laughs> speaking of romances um this is um I mean I think that you could argue that there was there was hints and subtleties from book one two and three but this is mm-hmm. a book where it became very apparent that something is going on with Rod and Hermione. Um, that, um, especially because, you know, Ron's jealous of Victor Crumb um, and his attentions to Hermione because he asked her out and Ron didn't. And you can see that jealousy side of things. They spend more time together because of Harry and Ron's fights. Um Hermione has, seems to have a lot of knowledge about Ron's feelings because um, she's the mediator during this fight. So you start to see kind mm-hmm. of that direction of that kind of tension, the friends turn romance thing, which is a very painful pro- process. Um, so, yeah, so that's definitely something that's there. And that is also very teenagery. Um, very and all teenager-y. that comes from... Yeah, and, and, and it's all because of the U-Ball. It's these stupid dances. They should never have these dances. <laughs> That's true. That was a terrible idea. It was so awkward. Like always. But um, it was always Ron and Hermione. You, Harry, Hermione shippers? No, including J.K. Rowling, who apparently has, like, early onset Alzheimer's. For her own character. 
Yes, amongst other things. Oh God. Yes. But it is it has always been Ron and Hermione. <laughs> Snaps. Agreed. <laughs> um, what else from the story did you want to talk about, Kristen? <laughs> um, let's talk about. kind of just talked about Ron and Hermione tensions and balls and um, not balls like boy balls like Yule balls and that's not like Ron and Hermione and balls and I was like that's inappropriate um, no but just like the first glimpses it was kind of interesting because they were first glimpses but they were very obvious glimpses, glimpses of my, it's not like you were like they, was that a moment and you were questioning it like you're like, oh, this is happening. Um, yeah, and which is why when I was in high school, I didn't understand why I was fighting people. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I'm gonna be that person that pisses everyone off right now. I don't okay. hate Ron and Hermione together, and I love Ron as a character, but struggle the idea of those two being an intellectually matched pair. Not saying you have to, I, if you're super I, smart, you have to be with someone super smart. Because Ron is super, I think Ron is super smart in, in different ways than Hermione. She's book smart. I think he is, like, he's good when he's not panicking about something. He is super smart. I think, I, think, I don't know. I'm going something... to call on you. I think movie okay. Ron is getting into your head. Um, I honestly think no because don't... Ron Ron is <laughs> I... in the in the book is very different than how he was portrayed in the movie for sure. Yes, yeah, but sure. just like a hundred percent. So like, as someone who like loves reading, I love learning. Um, <laughs> you know, not just like learning random stuff. Like I love learning like school stuff still, and I'm an adult. Um, like. Someone who I feel I'm very much like Hermione. I like my rules. I, I'm not going to, like, I like to live my life and have fun, but I don't want to, like, I'm not going to push boundaries that I shouldn't be pushing. I would not pair so myself they, uh, with Ron in the world. I would not do it. I, not because I, like, I can't be super close to them. I just feel like that would be, uh, I'd be missing something in the in a relationship. I um well I think there's I think there's a couple of things um is being the resident Ron expert um I first of all, I think he in the in the in the books school is definitely not his thing this is true but he reads <laughs> he just doesn't read Hogwarts of history um oh yeah he does totally. read not he does read fiction books. Um, he's really into the mythology of the the wizarding world. Um, he's into chess, which is not a game that you play if you're completely anti-intellectual. Oh no, you have to be super uh, smart to play chess. Yeah, I, so I I disagree with that, but also like I I I think it depends on kind of your thing. I'm into opposites attract. Um. Not not necessarily like with like some common interest, which I think the Harry and Hermione, I mean Ron and Hermione does, but like Hermione needs someone who can get her to laugh and relax. I do agree and with that. I agree Ron that the opposite strikes, but I, I think that's think like more if, if I read books, whether they're educational books or fun books, I want to discuss them with someone. And if you're rolling your eyes every time I read a book whether it's educational or for fun, I find that a problem for me. And maybe that's just me, but that's where, like, I love them together, and I'm like, I think with Delma, she was like, I should like, J.K. Rowling had amnesia and was like, I shouldn't have made them get together. Because I was like, no, no, don't don't take it back now. That's dumb. But I just, I don't know, a little, I struggled a little well, bit with their relationship, because at times I was like, but so why? Like, so, like, you're, like, questioning my parents' existence. <laughs> and I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> my, mom, my, my mom and my dad are, are Ron and Hermione. They just are. Ron might be a little bit more intellectually um, curious, like, a little more intellectually involved than my, my dad is sometimes. But, like, that's where they are. Um, 
and they work. And they work because they don't have everything. Because, I mean, you don't need to, you don't need your romantic partner to be involved in everything that you do. They just need to accept you for who you are, oh, yeah. right? And right. being yeah. Ron, and Ron, we don't get to see him as an adult. We get to see him as a boy, a, a teenage boy, who is very much at that, like, well, I'm not into it, so it's not cool thing, right? That we all grow out of. <laughs> Um, even I grew, like, even I was like that in high school and I grew out of it. Um, so I don't think Hermione needs to have, like, I don't, like, you just need to accept people for who they are. And I think Ron ultimately does accept Hermione for who she is, but she needs, she needs that stable person who is loyal, who can remind her not to overthink, to have fun. Um, and she loosen up a bit, and Ron is definitely that person for her. Um, Harry would be the most like they're just too similar. Oh, they should not be together. They think about the world. Yeah, they should not be together uh, either. No, absolutely not. But I, think I'll, I'll people, give you a better one. Her and Victor Crumb think, were a weird thing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think she has more in common with Ron than she does Victor. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was do like, think what are we that, doing here? I do think people underestimate Ron on all levels. Um, but I, I agree. He, he could he could meet her. I mean, there's a reason he fights back, right? Whereas like Harry is more like ignores her <laughs> or um, steamrolls her, right? So um, I, I I personally like Ron and Hermione is the type of relationship that I've always vibed in a story. Um, and also that I've witnessed because my my parents are definitely opposites attract, for sure. So I enjoy reminding. Um, I also think in this book it's really cool to see the international scope of magic to kind of open up the world on a bigger scale. Um, okay. Um, so seeing like Durmstrangs and 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 the French school and just kind of makes you wonder what. Um, the magical world is in different places and you get a bit of a glimpse of it, which I thought was super cool. And then, of course, we have the tasks. So the first task is trying to get the golden egg from the dragon. So pretty straightforward, physical, death-defying situation. The second task is trying to save the your heart's desire or the most valuable thing in your life um, from mermaids. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that it was Ron. <laughs> Just to show how important Ron is to yep. Harry. Um, and... You know, it, when it comes to stories, there's usually some combination of like a heart, a heart, head, and brawn kind of a situation. Obviously, Harry's the the brawn, the brave one who does the physical things. Um, right. And Hermione's obviously the brain because it's freaking Hermione. Um, but Ron's the heart. Um, he is. And that's why I think he's important to both Hermione and, and Harry. And when he's not part of the group, like when they were not talking, Harry was not an interesting person. <laughs> yeah. Hermione wasn't a very interesting person. And them together was just depressing. Like as just friends without Ron. So Ron is definitely the heart of the situation. So it's cool to see that. And then third is the maze, um, which of course, does not have a happy ending. No. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I The middle one was my favorite. The second one was my favorite. I like that little mermaid singing song. Yeah. The mermaids are always good. <laughs> um, and then. Um, so, yeah. So, that's. And, and that kind of opens the end of Goblet of Fire really. Voldemort's back and the and that as soon as you read the book you're like man things will never be the same again Harry witnessed a death he witnessed Cedric die um, there was a casualty in all this 
the Death Eaters are back. Voldemort is back. So how is the world going to handle it? And so it kind of leaves with a lot of questions and a lot of feelings that things were going to get darker. Um, so that's kind of like the overall mood of, of Goblet of Fire for me. Um, but did you have any other things you wanted to add on? Um, no, um, I kind of, we talked about Mad Eye Moody, but I'd like to mention a little bit Sirius because we got a little bit more of that family orientation of Sirius Black in this one. Um, he's still in hiding, uh, but he's able to communicate with Harry in different ways. And, um, you start getting that, like how much he cares about Harry and like how important he is to Harry and how Harry is to him, I think we start getting that glimpse and I really like that building of their relationship. <laughs> For sure. And you could also just like see, because in, in the fifth book, which we'll talk about, he just becomes a bit stir crazy. But you can already kind of see him being a bit stir crazy, <laughs> even in the fourth one, where you're like, um, he's not living to his full serious self. Um, so that's always good. Another person I wanted to talk about, and I can't believe we didn't talk about before, is Rita Skeeter. God, I hate her so much. She knows the crap out of me. So Rita Skeeter like, why is didn't the, anyone just squash her? I mean, because that would ruin the story. <laughs> It'd be murder, be, like, but who cares? Nobody <laughs> would know. And trust me, Hermione Hermione wants to really badly. Um, so Rita Skeeter is um, the journalist um, who is eavesdropping and telling stories and making Hermione's life a living hell. Um, and annoying. She she is definitely annoying, but like she's also very entertaining. So unlike the person that we're going to talk about next, Umbridge. Um, She's, she's a little bit more entertaining than Umbridge. Umbridge is just evil. Rita Skeeter's has her uses. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, anything else you wanted to talk about before we kind of close things mm-hmm. up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that pretty much wraps the books up. Um, this felt kind of like in the middle of my, in the, all the series. What I like, maybe like middle top, but it wasn't like my favorite or anything. Because again, it's that awkward stage, and I really just don't like kids that age. <laughs> um, I understand kids these age. Uh, I definitely do. So like nothing. Of, I think J.K. Rowling wrote these kids in this particular time well. They definitely can be annoying, but that's. I think that's why Goblet of Fire is the way that it is because it is at that awkward time and then also there's more complicated more dangerous things happening in this um time period as well so you you just got basically added layers of of drama and and conflict um that is in this book i wouldn't say goblet of fire is like one of my favorites but i will say goblet of fire is probably one of the most important movies not movies books to the overarching story because it really is the turning point um, for where everything follows, whether it's the, the setting up for, um, you know, house elves rights because you got Winky versus Dobby kind of situation. You have this international scope. You have the introduction to the Death Eaters, Voldemort's back. Um, you have the political bureaucracy that's starting to be introduced a little bit, and then it's going to be more. And then you see relationships that are beginning to kind of um, change, and you get to see kind of the complexities of Ron, who is normally a pretty happy character, having a lot of deep-seated insecurities, um, and, okay. and and everything else. So I, I think it's a necessary book, even if it might not be my favorite um, but yeah, so that is that is Goblet of Fire. We will be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, um, to talk about the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Yay! Um, all right. I so I'm super yes. excited to talk about that book. By the way, me too. There's there might be a two-hour show. There's just so many things. 
<laughs> that's a big book too. Putting out there, it might be a two-hour show. Um, Kristen, do you have any nerdy obsessions that you want to talk about? Um, my life is too busy for anything nerdy. I've been reading a lot in my free time. Any downtime I find, I'm reading because um, reading de-stresses me, and so that helps. Um, also, I've been doing um, watching Night Watch, which was a show before Live PD came out, and it's like ambulance, fire, and police in New Orleans. So I'm like rewatching the seasons, and it's so interesting. So that's been fun to watch. That's it. That does sound cool. Uh, my nerdy obsession is, is more DC superheroes. Um, I just am really into it right now. I can't. I can't explain it. So I'm rereading the old comics of Teen Titans from the 1980s. Um, I'm on volume okay. two now. Um, it is so interesting because I am enjoying it because I do like the characters, but it is so misogynistic slash racist slash, <laughs> slash all the things. Like every page, I'm like, that's problematic. That's problematic. But that's funny. So it's like, can't it's like say that. Don't say that. <laughs> it's like torn between outrage and entertainment. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting mix. So that's my that's awesome. obsession right now. Um, obviously, nice. we want our feedback uh, feedback from you guys for things to discuss. Uh, please give us feedback and follow yeah. us at TalkNerdy underscore radio. Um, follow NerdProps.com for reviews um, about books. Join the book club, just one more chapter. Um, and next week, we will be back with movies and music and movies, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite people who have died too young. Yeah. Uh, which is Heath Ledger um, and his acting career. Um, so that'll be next week. And then the week after next will be Order of the Phoenix. So have a wonderful evening, and hopefully we'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.